Mia. Oh, snow. Hello, I'm Mia, and this is a testimony of God's love and faithfulness in my life. All right. <clears throat> uh, like so many of you, I grew up going to church every Sunday. I went to VBS every single summer. Um, I was also a loyal Awana attendee, so that's vintage. I don't know if anybody knows what Awana's was, but it's like, nice. Um, it's like VBS, but it was every single week, and you kind of just kind of did the same thing as VBS, so it was like, it was great. It was awesome. Um, I actually, so all that to say that I'm really familiar with youth groups. I started coming to this youth group when I was um, a freshman, so I've I've been around. I've I've played the game for a long time. Um, um, John 3:16 was um, kind of the cornerstone of a lot of the children's ministry things that I was in, and that says, "For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life." And um, yeah, that was like the first verse I remember memorizing, and I believed in that verse, so I believed that I was saved. Um, I, I believed that I was a Christian. I, my parents are Christians. Both sides of my family are Christians. Um, it was all I really know. Um, it, was, it seemed cool. It seemed easy. You read your Bible. You sang on Sundays. You just avoided doing really bad things, and I felt like I got it down. Um, as I grew up and entered middle school, I started to get distracted by all the shiny things the world presented to me. I created these expectations of how my adolescent years should go based on the world, and it did not coincide from what I knew about the, um, how life should be based on the Bible. However, I wanted both worlds. I wanted to be a Christian, and I wanted to live a normal teenage life, and I thought that I could pursue both, so I tried. Um, and it's not like I had bad friends who peer pressured me. My friends are dorks and preppy kids who made weird home videos and went to all the midnight premieres of all the Twilight movies. Um, but the way I was spending my time and the things that I was filling my mind with shift, slowly shifted away from God. Um, and I remember thinking, like, it wasn't super simple. I, I, my friends were, and I were roof followers, and I was relatively a pretty good kid. Uh, then later in middle school, I started running around with, uh, with boys behind my parents' back and having a bad attitude and... Um, excuse me, sorry. And I, uh, I was testing how much my parents would let me get away with... Um, yeah, and I was just kind of disobeying them, and uh, I wanted to, you know, enjoy the shiny things in front of me. My, my actions and words were starting to seem a little bit too much like everyone else's. Uh, again, there's nothing terrible in middle school, just very cringeworthy and dramatic diary entries about how my parents didn't understand me, and poorly written songs inspired by my teenage angst, and which I would not disclose to you. Um, yeah, I, I knew what I was doing was wrong and what I was saying was wrong. I, I knew what the Bible said about disobeying my parents. <clears throat> my parents were constantly leading me back to Psalms 19, 14, which says, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And I was annoyed by that because I knew that they were right, and I knew that, you know, that's how I should have been living my life. It got worse in high school. Uh, I played volleyball and was lucky to make varsity pretty early, and uh, again, like great people, they never forced me to do anything, there was no hazing, um, but I think the influence of older girls who I looked up to hammered in those teenage expectations that I had, and I came up with, and I, yeah, I, um, yeah, I was just, I was just surrounded by that, and I resisted it, and I maintained my Christian appearance for as long as I could, and uh, in junior year, I got involved in the party scene a little bit, I started drinking a lot of my friends, I tried other substances, and I, I got involved with people who did the same. I also started seriously dating a guy who wasn't a Christian, and that really put a strain on my relationship with my parents. 
Uh, and this really affected my family dynamic as a whole. It, it got to the point where, like, lying to my parents about where I was and who I was, was with was, like, second nature to me. And I was grounded literally on and off for, like, the rest of high school. Um, and at this point, I, I started to seriously consider if I was even really saved. I felt, I felt confused because despite knowing how I should be living, I was convinced to run the other direction. I was so set on pursuing my own desires. As senior year approached, I started to seriously consider just how much this relationship was worth. I was constantly fighting with my parents. I, I hated the tension and how my parents um, didn't trust me and I you know, drank and relied on drugs more. And I was trying to get away from this big hole I dug myself in by picking up my shovel and digging deeper. By the middle of senior year, I decided that I was, I was done wasting my time with this guy who, you know, I had, really feeling, I had real feelings for, but I, I knew in the long run that I, I, I just, it wasn't going to last and it wasn't going to work because he wasn't saved. And that was something that was important to me, even though I was struggling with my faith at the time. And yeah, when we broke up, I thought I would get better. I thought, you know, I, I gave up this thing that I held on to now. Now God has to make me better. And I thought this was going to be this instant transaction. Um, but really, I, I spiraled. I, I emotionally, I hit a low. I, I hated the fact that I had let myself fall into that situation when I knew that it wasn't going to last from the beginning. I didn't feel, I didn't like feeling sad and vulnerable. And I hated the fact that I was like partying and doing all these things that I knew I shouldn't be doing. And, you know, quite frankly, I was just ashamed and embarrassed that I had let myself go so far. Uh, and because of all that inner conflict, my activities increased even more so. It Got bad at the end of senior year, and then the summer after high school graduation, I was really struggling. I was a mess. I, I just felt the inner battle of my sin and my Christian conscience so much more during that time. I, I felt it get, getting heavier and heavier day by day, like I was walking around with weights on my shoulders. And Yeah, I, I knew what was right, and I so desperately wanted to do what was right, but sin had such a grip on my heart. And I remember thinking, you know, okay, God, I, I'm good now. You know, I, I dabbled. I'm good. I, you can save me. And I'm just, just waiting for you to save me. And, you know, while I wait, I'm going to go run to this party really quick because I, I honestly was so tired of fighting and I, I had no fuel and I had so easily gave in. As I was reflecting on this time, I was reminded of Romans 7:18, which says, For I know that nothing good dwells in men that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. And that was exactly where I was at the time. I wanted to be safe. I wanted to change. I wanted to be fixed but I couldn't make any real changes. This struggle lasted throughout the summer. Thankfully, I signed up for a summer camp through my cousin's church up north, which is something I never got to do because I was always busy during high school. And I was excited, but a little nervous because I, I knew that I can fake being fine since I knew what to say and how to act. Um, plus, I've been faking it for the last two years, so I was, you know, I was a pro. After one sermon, I got back to my cabin and had a complete melt, like, breakdown in my top bunk. Um, that night, I poured my heart out to God, feeling so broken by my mistakes, begging him for forgiveness, grace, and mercy. I realized I had been trying to repent by my own strength and, I, and on my own terms. I, I wanted to change, but I, but I still wanted to hold on to some of the shiny things I picked up along the way. I, I, I needed to loosen my grip on the world and fully depend on God to provide true joy. That camp is where it all changed for me. My whole perspective shifted, and I remember feeling so foolish to have sought my joy and purpose in these worldly things that it would eventually fail. But of course, I got home, and you know, like a week after camp, after that camp high, I decided to very unwisely go to just one more party because it was the weekend before I left for college, and I wanted to hang out with my friends one more. And honestly, I just wanted to savor in my sinfulness. Um, 
that night was, it was a real rock bottom for me. I, I went to church the next morning knowing that this was not the life that I wanted to live. Yeah, when I, when I hit that new low, I, I thought that I had strayed too far that time. I really did. But God is so faithful and merciful. Ephesians 2, 4 through 5 says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together in Christ. By grace you have been saved. I meditated on Ephesians 2 a lot during college because I often found myself feeling regret about my sin. Um, but God loves us despite our offenses against him. He sacrificed his perfect son despite our betrayal. Another verse that came to mind when I was reflecting was John 1:16, which says, For from his fullness we've all received grace upon grace. Grace. God's grace will never run empty, and we can never disqualify ourselves from receiving it because being recipients of grace is not dependent on us. Praise God for that. Yeah, other than that soap opera episode, my life has been pretty boring. Uh, nothing has really been as dramatic as that period. But that's, you know, that's the Christian life. It's not going to be episode after episode. Life is pretty mundane, but it's definitely not easy. Um, every day is a struggle to live in light of eternity. There are many days that pass where I've only given God a slice of my time, if any. Now I, I fight against complacency and pray that he gives me the desire to continue to strive to live a life glorifying him. But I know, based on evidence of his faithfulness and love in my life, that he will guide me day by day. Now, uh, closing words. This isn't some encouragement to rebel and run rampant in the streets and do whatever you want to do. Please don't do that. But if your life happens to take a sharp left turn, remember God is always sovereign and he loves us despite us. Thanks. All right. Hello. Uh, I'm Kevin Cole. I'm a junior high advisor, and I have some visual aids. I want to set the, set the story here of junior high, Kevin Cole. So if we go to the first picture, that's me on the left. That's me in eighth grade. And then on the far right is my brother, Jake, and, and my baby brother, Micah, in the middle. So, so Micah's like 33 years old now, and I still treat him like a, he's my baby brother. So uh, go to the, uh, the next slide. So this is the Nintendo Entertainment System. This is like the original. And what's significant about this is this came out when I was like in sixth grade, and, and every kid got it for Christmas except for me. Um, and... And I knew I wouldn't get it, but I was so shocked that everyone else did. Because my parents said, like, you have a computer, so you don't need video games. And, and my mom said, like, when you live in your own house and your own rules, you can have a game system. But you're not going to have one while you live with us. And so when I was 23, I called my mom and I said, hey, guess what I bought today? And, and, and she's like, well, what? And I said, I bought a PlayStation. So ha-ha on you. <laughs> Um, so anyway, so we go to the next one. So, so these were the games I played instead, which is not Super Mario Brothers by any, by any means, but these were like adventure games, and, and you got to actually type in like all the things you want to do. Like, you know, you want to pick up the chicken, you have to type, pick up the chicken. Um, and, and these games like ruled my happiness. Like, like my happiness was based on whether I had one of these games to play. And they were expensive. You know, these they cost like fifty dollars, and that's fifty dollars in '80s money. So that that 
that took like six months for me to save my allowance to play one of these games. And they did not last six months either. Um, and so, you know, so I mean, this was definitely one of the idols of my heart when I was when I was a kid. And looking at that now, that's pretty pathetic. Um, but I just want you to know, like, the stuff you idolize right now is going to look like this. So I mean, just just wait. You know, don't wait 30 years to figure it out. You know, so 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 now you know me. Uh, so let's do the testimony. Um, we can take that away. So I don't want to distract anyone with that. Those awesome graphics. Um, all right. So. So I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior when I was five years old, and I've been a Christian a long time, so long that I can hardly remember becoming one, and certainly can't remember my life much before that. However, I do remember being led in prayer by my mom to ask God to forgive my sin. I also remember receiving this good news of salvation with joy. I wanted to be baptized right after that, but my parents encouraged me to wait until I was older. So I was baptized at age nine, and I, I hardly remember that either. Um, we got ice cream afterwards. That's, that's probably what I remember the most about my baptism. Um, and so this testimony is not about how I became a Christian, but how God has been faithful to me through the years. Uh, I wish my story continued with constant spiritual growth since, but unfortunately it did not. Once I got too old for the Sunday school Bible stories, my interest in prayer and the, and the Bible faded. It's not because I didn't believe in the gospel anymore, but more it was other things that I was more interested in doing than reading the Bible and praying. Sometimes I would pray, but it was only for my cares and my needs. Instead, I pursued the joys that all kids gravitate towards, friends, TV, video games, and fun. Uh, by the world's standards, I probably never looked like a kid in trouble, but I was very troubled. Uh, while I didn't know it at the time, I believed a great lie that I was the only kid that had problems. Everyone else seemed to be happier than me and having everything going well for their lives. I thought everyone was getting what they wanted but me. This led me to be just angry and sad about my life. What made it worse was I never talked to anyone about it, so I, le I was left trying to solve these problems on my own. I didn't go to God in prayer about these things or to the Bible. Instead, just kept pursuing the same things that were fleeting. It's not hard to forget who you are. All you have to do is stop pursuing Christ. The world and your sin nature will take care of the rest. It takes work to be close to God, and not putting that work in set me down on this path. God did draw me back to him. It probably started in high school when I went to a Christian summer camp, and the speaker really shook me. I wasn't worried about me not going to heaven, but it convinced me that my friends were going to hell, and I was doing nothing to help them. My faith increased, but my understanding was still very weak. I had been stuck as a baby Christian all these years, and I ended up being more zealous than faithful. In my senior year of high school, I was really afraid that I couldn't really tell the truth from error. I was reading my Bible again, but it was really hard for me to understand everything. This is also when I realized Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were all the same story. Hmm. Uh, I, I was afraid that when I went to college, my, my faith would fall away, or I would get mixed up in some cult or something. Uh, I got into UCLA, and I couldn't afford to stay in the dorms, so I commuted there from my home about 45 miles each way. It wasn't easy for me to make friends since I didn't live at school. I wandered around for a few weeks before I bumped into an old friend from high school who was a couple of years older than me. Uh, he invited me to his Bible study, which was called Grace on Campus. Uh, this is where I really started to learn. I, I learned a lot, and I was really hungry to learn more. I still had problems, though, and I still believed that great lie that others had it all together while I did not. 
my problem was I was trusting too much in myself still for my happiness and not relying on the Lord. I was still pretty angry and sad about my life, and I still didn't talk to anyone about it. It was my shame, and I didn't want anyone else to know about it. By, by this time, believing this great lie would manifest itself in pretty deep depression. My, my whole perspective was skewed because of it, but I finally did tell someone about it. Uh, two men who are both pastors now. Two very different pieces of advice and both right. Uh, the first was more empathetic and told me everyone gets depressed, something I probably should have figured out by now. Um, the second was more direct and, and told me that my depression was sin because I was consumed with myself and I needed to repent of it. I, I never considered my pain like that before and I was always thinking of my life as me being the main character of my story and not God. This was the beginning of real change for me, putting God first. So for a while I, I struggled with when I was really saved. Was it that time when I was five or was it that time when I repented for my depression in my 20s? Uh, did, I, did I need to be baptized again? Uh, I felt like my testimony was a mess because I could not remember a life without Christ. I, I, I believed in the gospel so easily when I was too young to remember. It made it hard for me to understand how to share the gospel with others. Uh, for, for a long time, I felt robbed about my testimony. Uh, you know, but, I, but I understood later that this was actually a great grace on my life. Uh, God has been looking out for me all these years. He protected me from a lot of negative experiences that would have been more pain in my life to deal with. Uh, I, I do believe that I have been a Christian since age five. Uh, it was actually in Acts 8 where Philip shares the gospel with the Ethiopian that helps me understand this. Um, it says in verse 35, Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the this, this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. So this, this response was just like my five-year-old self, receiving the gospel with joy and wanting to be baptized. There, there are three things I've always believed since then. Uh, Jesus died on the cross for my sins, and I'm sorry for my sins. Uh, Jesus rose from the dead, and three, Jesus is Lord. Uh, this is the gospel. We, uh, you know, my problems that I experienced are because I live in a fallen world and I chose the world's pleasures to deal with them instead of God's truth. I tried to live my Christian life on my own instead of seeking help from the fellowship of other Christians. I didn't take the sins of my heart seriously enough in my youth, and it followed me to adulthood into much bigger sins. Um, fast forwarding to today, I, I'm still a sinner. I, I can assure you that my sin is great and I'm not worthy of God's favor. Uh, I have more problems now than I ever did, but I have a living hope and salvation, and God continues to work on me and grow me in faith. When he sees me, he sees Christ and has accepted me just as I am. Salvation is assured, and it can't be taken away by anyone, not, not even me. Uh, and the most exciting thing about it for me is that God is going to fix me, and sin will no longer be my nature. Um, so, so what great lies are you believing right now? If, if you're a Christian, how is your time with the Lord? Do you go to God in prayer when you want something? Do you dictate what would make you happy to him? Or do you submit yourself to what he wants for your life? If you're not a Christian, we're really glad you're here. Um, I encourage you to be honest about who you are. Ask questions about your doubts. Think about what influences form your beliefs. Are you willing to hear what the Bible has to say? And if you're not sure you're a Christian, don't you want to be sure? Uh, stop thinking you'll figure it out when you're older. Uh, stop waiting for the answers to come to you. Talk to an advisor, Keith or Eric, or your parents. Thanks, everybody.
the hot. So for yeah, for those of y'all who don't know me, I'm Zach, and I serve with the disability ministry um, here in youth group. Um, and I've been coming to Lighthouse for about nine years, and been serving in the youth group for about five. Um, and yeah, I've been going to church, not not this church, but like in, I grew up at another church, um, and I've been going to attending churches every Sunday like my whole life. Um, yeah, I was born as a pastor's kid. Uh, but I didn't have a lot of the pressures that pastor's kids a lot of times have uh, because my dad transitioned to become a professor, and he was a professor most of my life. Um, so, yeah, I had a pretty cushy uh, spiritual life. Um, I didn't have um, persecution, and I was uh, just been surrounded by gospel teaching my whole life. Uh, but being surrounded by the gospel and nice circumstances doesn't uh, mean that I was saved or that I was even guaranteed salvation. Um, yeah, so it was, it was a grace that I, I grew up in um, an environment that loved Jesus and to be under good teaching. Uh, and these were instrumental in, in my salvation and growing as a Christian. Um, but yeah, so like a lot of people who grew up in the church, I thought that I was a Christian before I actually was um, I remember in kindergarten, I went over a worksheet with my brother um, that went over the, the tenets of the gospel and then ended with a little prayer for salvation. Um, and at the time, I was in kindergarten. Um, becoming a Christian meant that I was a step ahead of all the other kids in my class because uh, you didn't get to do this worksheet until you were in second grade, like my older brother was. Um, and that, like we hear it now, and it's kind of silly, um, but that pride and self-centeredness and um, desire for self-glorification um, yeah, really wrecked me in my, my youth group days and, and is still like a big struggle for me uh, today. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I kept going to church growing up, um, answering all the questions in Sunday school. Um, and I was a, like a good little helper to the uncles and aunties. Uh, but yeah, in, in middle school, I was uh, confronted by by sin. So not only my sin, but just even the sin of the world. Um, and I knew generally what sin was. It was disobeying God. Um, but I didn't understand um, the effects and the depth and the gravity um, or the pervasiveness of sin un um, until middle school. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. When that be all became more apparent to me, um, um, I found it ridiculous that, that a good and wise God would create such imperfect beings that would hurt each other constantly. And like, obviously, God didn't create imperfect beings. Um, that was my misconception at the time. Um, but from that, my conclusion was that this God that I had learned about growing up was actually flawed and stupid, and that I was only a Christian because of my upbringing, because of my family. I was just brainwashed into becoming Christian. Um, and alongside that, in seeing the sins of people um, and just seeing evil, I concluded that most people shouldn't exist unless um, they contributed. So this, this, is how, this is how I thought. I was, it, unless they contributed more positive than negative um, to the world, like Gandhi or IU or like the old man from church um, that picked up trash around the church. But, um, but yeah, since we're all sinners and everything we do is tainted by sin, the vast majority, if not everyone, fell short of, of that. 
And that was almost what it says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned but, um, sh- fall short of, and fall short of the glory of God. But it missed that, that God's glory and, and, and holiness is the focus and not our works and our glory. Um, but yeah, with that warped perspective, um, I had uh, the question um, came up of whether or not I contributed more positive or negative. Uh, and yeah, I, I didn't cheat on my assignments like other kids, and I didn't do drugs like other kids, and I didn't bully others. Um, yeah, I was just uh, a middle school kid who ate lunch by himself every day and um, didn't get the grades uh, that my brother did and didn't contribute anything really positive to the world or the people around me. And I was just eating up resources like my parents' money and the food at home, and giving my mom stress over my grades or whatever. Um, And therefore, it would be positive, a net positive to the world if I just removed this negative from the world. Um, And these are the kinds of thoughts that I struggled with uh, since the beginning of junior high. Um, But yeah, but in the the summer of of middle school, I came uh, came to faith. my youth pastor uh, preached a sermon called um, The Crux of the Cross. And I don't remember any other titles of any other sermons in youth group, but this is the one sermon that I remember, uh, The Crux of the Cross. And in it, he showed um, a clip of the Passion of the Christ um, and explained that Hollywood can really only portray the physical pain of the crucifixion. Uh, and despite how gruesome the physical Um, crucifixion was, the greater pain on the cross was that Christ bore hell for us. Um, And our worth um, is rooted in his love for us, um, as displayed in the gospel. And even though we didn't deserve his sacrifice, he went through suffering because he found us to be worth saving and suffering for. Um, But in in all honesty, we're we're not worthy, and we're still not worthy um, for his love. Um, and yet Christ still loved us and loves us, and that's what matters. Uh, not trying to find our worth, but relishing in God's abundant love for us. Um, yeah, for whatever reason, even though I had um, heard the gospel many, many times before, it was um, at this, uh, this time at a, at a random youth group night, a random sermon that the Holy Spirit had chosen to change my heart and began to sanctify me. Um, but yeah, um, even after I became a Christian, um, I still struggle with uh, suicidal and, and self-harming thoughts and, and worthlessness. Um, and even though, um, um, yeah, even though I had a greater understanding of my worth um, through, through the gospel, my inclinations didn't just instantly disappear when I was saved. Um, but I ha- yeah, I've grown in understanding uh, in my worth in, in Jesus' death, um, as I um, shared, and, and um, also as uh, my status as God's image bearer. And, um, and in the same way, like uh, being God's image bearer, um, my worth isn't rooted in, in my merits um, or my... Um, but yeah, my, my um, worth as an image bearer is rooted in, in God. Um, um, but yeah, yeah I, haven't, I haven't conquered my sin tendencies and struggles, but 
um, because I have Christ, I can trust that God will continue to humble me and grow me. Thank you guys for listening to all of us share our testimony. Um, yeah, it's not, it's scary to share in front of so many people, but I feel very honored to get to share how God has worked in my life, and I feel very honored that you guys are giving me your time to listen to what God has done in my life. So with that, I will share my testimony. Um, like many of you, I grew up in the church. This meant that from a young age, I knew about God. However, I wouldn't say that I came to know God personally until eighth grade. Um, so middle school was actually a very difficult time for me. I had very strict parents who had high expectations for me, and I constantly felt like I was failing them. This strained my relationship with my parents, and I had a very hard time believing that they loved me. I also felt like I struggled to make genuine friendships, and I constantly felt alone. I didn't feel like I was good enough for anyone, and struggled with deep feelings of insecurity and worthlessness. In eighth grade, I reached a point where I truly believed that if I were to leave this earth, it would actually be a positive change in the lives of everyone around me. I was extremely depressed, and I remember that every morning I would wake up and wish it were night again so I could go back to sleep. Um, around this time, I began to struggle with suicidal thoughts as well. Um, but by the grace of God, in this darkest moment, um, I was able to go to a winter retreat with my youth group. And at that retreat, I heard the same thing that I had heard many times before in my life, that Jesus loves me. But for the first time, this truth became real and impacted me in a deep and powerful way. I finally understood, at least in part, the gravity of having a God who truly loves me unconditionally despite my many flaws and failures. A God who knows all of my sins, yet still chooses to love me. I don't know why that truth finally clicked inside of me at that retreat, but it did, and the reality of having such a love gave me the strength to continue living because I knew that I was not alone. That I had a God who loved me and was keeping me here for a reason, although I wasn't sure what that reason was. Yet after I decided to follow Christ in eighth grade at that retreat, I still struggled to have a consistent faith in God. All throughout high school, my faith was like a roller coaster going up and down. When I didn't feel like God loved me, I believed that he didn't anymore, and it was hard for me to trust in him. My faith was based on my emotions, and that made it very rocky. 
was such an unstable foundation for my faith, I easily became tempted by the things of the world. I became jealous of my friends who could be worldly without the guilt that comes from being Christian. They would go to parties and drink and do drugs and live in sexual sin, and I constantly felt left out and out of the loop. Once again, I felt alone. I felt like God had abandoned me and that he was also keeping me from being like everyone else, that he was the source of my loneliness and dissatisfaction, and that he wasn't worth the sacrifice. Because of this, I ended up turning away from my faith when I started college at USC. My freshman year of college, I ended up pursuing all the things that the world said would make me happy. I worked really hard and I achieved good grades while also being involved in many different student clubs and extracurricular activities. On top of this, I also made a close group of friends, which I always wanted, and I would regularly, regularly go out with them and party and drink and engage in sexual sin. By the world's standards, I had everything that was supposed to make me feel fulfilled. Yet, I was the unhappiest I had ever been. Everything in my life felt pointless, and I fell back into a spiral of depression. I felt so lost because I thought that I would finally be happy if I achieved everything I was supposed to, but instead the empty promises of the world made me feel even more hopeless than before. It was at this point that I knew that I needed to live for something greater. By God's grace, I had people around me who were pointing me back to Christ and teaching me that he loved me even in the moments when I didn't feel like he did. But I felt that I was in my sin so deep that I didn't know how to turn away from it all to return to God. Although I tried to live for God, I would keep falling back into my sinful ways. I felt like I had one foot in the world and one foot in eternity and didn't know what to do. It was at this point that I went on a retreat with my college ministry. The theme of the retreat was missions, and in one of the sermons, the speaker asked this question. If God asked you to go anywhere for him, would you go? And I thought about this question, and my gut reaction was no, because what if God asked me to go somewhere crazy like North Korea? <laughs> Um, I kept wrestling with this question, though, and finally I had a thought cross my mind. And that thought was, if you stayed here in America and had everything you ever wanted, but didn't have God, would that be a life worth living? And when I thought about it and how unfulfilled my life was, I knew that the answer was no, that that was not a life worth living. I then had the thought, if you were to give everything up, maybe move to another country, live a life of suffering, but through it all, you were doing everything with God, would that be a life worth living? And I thought about the steadfast love of God that is true even despite my sinful and rebellious ways, a love that is true even when I didn't feel like it was, and I knew that the answer was yes. Because life with God meant that I would never be alone. That I would be fully known, yet fully loved. 
and that I would have the promise of being with God in heaven forever in the life to come. After having that realization, it became easier to let go of the things of this world and to turn to God instead. Since that moment, I have continued to follow Christ. Um, and unlike the empty promises of the world, God has already displayed his full love for me and for you and proved that his promises are true by Jesus' death on the cross. No matter how I might feel about God day to day, I know that he is true to me because he already proved it by taking the punishment for my sin on the cross so that I might be reconciled to him. And in Christ's resurrection, I have full assurance that Jesus is truly who he says he is and that all his promises of redemption and hope are true. Of course, there are seasons where it's easier to believe in God and seasons where it's harder. But regardless, I can truly say in and out of season that the value of knowing Christ far surpasses anything else that this world has to offer. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Um, I think what's special about our um, our leaders sharing is that our leaders aren't some group of superhuman Christians. Um, we're not. Uh, and as you can tell, uh, there's not one way or one scenario where God saves us. Uh, he, sa he can save us if we didn't go to church for a long time. He can save us if we, were, if we, we heard the gospel when we were like four years old, like Kevin Colwell. Um, and that's amazing. Um, is that God still loves us even in our bruises, in the bruises that we inflict upon, inflict upon ourselves, uh, the bruises that we experience from others, um, the bruises that we experience from just living a broken world, from living in a broken world. Um, and God loves us anyway. And that's the amazing good news of what Jesus Christ offers in his salvation, in his death and resurrection, is that he loves us, period. And what breaks my heart and... Um, one of, one, what I wanted to communicate is, what we want to communicate as leaders, as your leaders who love you, is if you feel like no one understands or if you feel like you can't connect or you struggle and you feel alone, you're not. Uh, is that there, there's people like, like ourselves who uh, still struggle, still sin. I mean, every single one here mentioned how they still struggle even after they believed in Jesus. And that's the... That's the rhythm in some ways of the Christian life is that we still live in what's known as the, the already and not yet of our salvation. And so we keep trusting and we keep leaning on one another. God gives us an amazing resource in one another, in the church, in the people sitting next to you. And so what we actually want to do tonight is we want to extend that time of fellowship. And that might seem like a drag to some of you guys. You're usually like, I don't know the person sitting next to me. Well, I have a question to ask you. Why don't you get to know them? Um, and I, I want to actually maybe perhaps um, challenge you to maybe even look at some of the people out here in this sanctuary and consider, is there someone I don't know? Is there someone that I've been meaning to talk to, um, but I just haven't had the chance to? Well, tonight's your chance. And so I want to encourage you guys to do so. Um, we're going to actually, and I think I mentioned this to some of you guys, um, but in... Um, kind of like that area in front of the conference room, there's going to be 
there's four tables, and I'm going to have our, our leaders who shared stationed around those tables. And if you have questions uh, that you want to follow up with, um, so what, how did you think about this, you know, this scenario here, this situation, um, or what, what was going, th going through your mind? Um, we wholeheartedly welcome you to ask um, these leaders these questions. Um, but in the meantime, uh, if, if you choose not to, um, please uh, feel free to hang out and um, interact with one another. Um, and so that actually concludes officially our time. Um, as you guys know, uh, Compass is still meeting in the gym. And so please don't uh, go over to the playground. Just hang out here uh, where we can see you. Um, but also, uh, the, here's the spaces that are available for you to uh, hang out and meet at. Uh, the, co the coffee house is available for you to meet in. Uh, there will be board, board games laid out for you guys, so you're welcome to choose from the bin of board games. Um, I, I don't believe we actually have snacks, but correct, please correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, if, you, if you know of some snacks, please let me know, or uh, rather let all, all of us know. Um, <laughs> um, but then uh, the foyer is also available too, and the sanctuary as well. And so um, that concludes our evening. Let me pray for us, um, and then I'll dismiss us and let you guys... Um, fellowship. Father, you are so good to us that out of the, um, the overflow of uh, your, your self-giving love, um, you extend that same love to us um, even when we did not deserve it. Um, and that is the simple good news of Jesus Christ, that, um, that the Father, you sent your Son uh, to come to live a life um, a life that uh, you didn't have to, a life uh, that was lived on behalf of uh, the people that you would eventually die for and would eventually be risen for. And, uh, and, and not just that, but through your life, you would constitute a people for yourself, a people who love one another, who care for one another, um, in the good and the bad. And so, Father, thank you that for bringing us into this family. I pray that family would truly characterize this group here, a family that that might be annoyed by one another, uh, that might be, um, that might laugh at each other, but I pray that it will be a family where we do lean on one another, that bear each other's burdens, just as you've called us to. And so, Father, thank you for these leaders, how you have saved them um, in the varieties of ways that you have. And uh, we know that if you have done that for, for, for these leaders and for myself, you can truly do that for, for others as well, and you have done so. And so, Father, thank you for your generosity and uh, for the, the stories that you have um, created and have sustained uh, through Jesus Christ. And it is through him that we pray. Amen. All right. Well, like I mentioned, our leaders will be stationed out if you, have, if you would love to, if you would, um, are interested in following up with them. Uh, otherwise, please hang out. Uh, please, again, fellowship. And um, that concludes our evening. Thanks, guys.